We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now New Galaxy Broadcasting presents Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition, a program addressing the grave challenges to human and citizen rights in America and the rest of the world. How can we, the people of Earth, take back the power and privileges granted to us by God and address so significantly in the Declaration of Independence? Our rights are inalienable, that is, given by God and incapable of being taken away from or given by another. These rights are the basis of liberty, the foundation of all life and happiness. The Coalition of Planetary Empowerment is an organization designed to give its members tools and information to empower them personally, in relationships and in business and employment, but also to give them a voice and the ability to help transform political and corporate governance to support the true needs and desires of people throughout the world. Inalienable and Free focuses on the need for government and corporate business interests to be responsive to the will and desire of their constituents and consumer shareholders. Hey, this is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. Our pro program today is called, Where Has All Our Money Gone? The Same Place It Always Goes. So we're, going to a few, we're going to look at a few interesting items and then follow through on some points on Syria. This is incidentally a call-in call show. Our number is 888-627-6008. With uh, all respect, I found a short observation from Ryan Christian, Christian, host of The Last American Vagabond. I found it very interesting. I'd like to comment on it after I... <clears throat> In all fairness, I want to repeat what he will say, that the following conversation, which he, where he discusses anarchy, that he's not endorsing and by bringing it up, but um, he's bringing up just, you know, we should take a look at other alternatives. Um, but I do think what he is saying is, a, is food for thought. And so let's hear N109, excuse me, N108. So I want to begin today with a quote I've shared in the past, one about anarchy a term widely misunderstood to simply mean chaos, when that's inherently false when one begins to look past the bastardization of the word by those who need to make sure you stay within the lines that they have created for you, and even more so that you begin to forget that the lines are even there. We must begin to see that there are paths to take outside the current paradigm, and that is how we must begin to think. Not which side of this false two-party dichotomy should I vote for, or which political party I should stand with. We must begin to consider asking ourselves what seem like outrageous questions, simply because of the years of programming we have been subjected to. Questions such as, do we need government? Should we be voting at all? Now, I'm not saying this will provide an immediate mind-altering solution, or that these are even the right questions to be asking. But I'm simply suggesting that we begin to look past the false boundaries that have been drawn around us and start acting like it's in our nature to act as human beings, challenging the status quo, stepping outside the lines, seeking out the unknown and forging our own way forward. Anarchism stands for the liberation of the human mind from the dominion of religion. 
the liberation of the human body from the dominion of property, liberation from the shackles and restraints of government. It stands for social order based on the free grouping of individuals. Social order being an important part of that. That's a quote from Emma Goldman. She was an anarchist political activist and writer. She played a pivotal role in the development of anarchist political philosophy in the first half of the 20th century. Now, quickly to note on the religion aspect of that may cause some people to recoil, but understand this does not mean not having spirituality or not believing in a higher power. It simply means freeing yourself from the religious hierarchy. The control mechanism, such as the Catholic Church, organized religion, not forsaking our belief in God. Very important to understand that. So ultimately, the system we have today, this system is broken. We can all see it. Yet most continue forward for sheer lack of perceived options. It's time for radical change. You know, I find this little discussion very interesting. You know, getting just for a second talking about our program, which we will a little more, we really have a kind of a metaphysical program. Because what we're trying to say is that the, the you know, the phrase, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights and so, and so forth. We look at that as a statement of ideals that were inspired. And we'll go into this more, but the idea is that we have something here of incredible value, which is the, which is the Constitution of the United States and Declaration. These things were not produced by perfect people, but, well, let's go into this for a while, but I, I wanna say that I think the radical change to in, needed in this country and throughout the world actually involves the utilization of conscience and spiritual discernment certainly not anarchy certainly also aspects of a vibrant social order will involve citizens uniting together to collectively live or work on a project based on their freedom of choice without government interference but there are many forms of social order that demand some kind of collective oversight and authority by citizens and organizations chosen by the people namely government whether it's the fund construction of traffic lights or the regulation of air pollution generated by manufacturing sites on a provincial, national, or global scale. In the United States, a great deal of the paradigm for government is found in the United States Constitution and at least some of the spirit and intent of the Declaration, which opts for representative democracy over and above a tyrannical monarcho uh, government. Since over the years, in certain cases, there's a kind of war over the meaning of these documents, you know, the Supreme Court nominations and so forth, the affair of interpreting becomes a major, possibly never to be resolved protocol. So right now, like uh, Ryan was talking about, you've got two sides of the fence, the polarized, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans over certain really key issues. So, so over the years, in certain cases, there's a kind of war over the meaning of these documents. The interpreting becomes a major, possibly never to be resolved protocol. The right of the government to engage in military adventurism without true congressional oversight is a good example. And one we'll discuss a little bit in this program. Without going into great detail, there are certain techniques that are used uh, to 
of the Constitution. One is called textualism. Where that's where they insist there's a plain meaning to the text of the Constitution, which would be understood by the people of the time of the drafting, is not necessarily to address the intention of the drafters. Say, hey, this is a pretty simple thing if you know what what people were thinking back then in the 18th century, and uh, we'll just interpret it. We know a little bit of sociologically about what they meant, and that's it. Technique of original meaning. It focuses on the meaning of the text to the population at the time of the drafting, but does not postulate the purely plain meaning of this text. So what did the people think about it then? What was the plain meaning? It's, it's not what would just jump out at you, but um, what they were, they were thinking at the time. Then there's the judicial precedent, which comprises many of the ruling and, and uh, m many of the rulings of the past, pragmatism, which looks at the actual consequences of the ruling. Moral reasoning emphasizes the values inherent in the Constitution, which might occasion the overruling of some of the specific textual guidance. Things have changed. We have to change, you know, our moral questions uh, has to enter into to some extent. Structuralism looks at the division through various aspects of government, like state versus federal, and historical practices looks at the way things have been customarily interpreted and applied historically. With all these various forms of guidance, I think a more valid approach would be emphasize another source of value, which is based on the conviction that these are inspired doctrines created by historically flawed human beings. For instance, the counting of slaves is only a portion of their actual numerical composition is one of many signs that they're looking at slaves is not equal to those who own them. Does that not contradict the idea that all men are created equal? Of course. That non-equality was the justification for the incredible cruelty and brutality of their treatment, which involved the deprivation of all their inalienable rights. Still, it was this very phrase, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and the inherent belief behind it, with or without its formal formulation in the Declaration, that pushed forward the emancipation of the slaves and the subsequent destruction of the legal foundations of segregation and subsequent pro progress towards opportunity in education, employment, and commerce. This belief in equality and freedom has always has also pushed back against various existing discrimination and subjugation policies in our current world, world including practices involving the overzealous prosecution and incarceration of blacks, pol police brutality, and racist effects of government and economic policy. So what I'm saying is, with that, all men are created equal, it's self-evident. Well, it's evident to one's real self. It's not just evident to anything that your human psychology can say about it, because human psychology is all, often inverts it or distorts the idea of it. But it's an inherent belief, a belief, something ingrained in us if we, ha if we are in touch with our consciences and more so if in touch with our spirit. In my opinion, the, absolutely, the absolute criteria for this kind of interpretation is based on the human conscience and the reality that the conscience itself is a mirror of the righteousness embodied in the actual experience of divine awareness, called by various names such as Source, the Kingdom of God, the Divine Presence, etc. This is the real reason that our Republic is truly one nation, and not because of the Founders' history or even specific intention, but because their formulation of these documents shows the influence of a higher power. The experience of conscience, which is based on the simple things like the love of one's neighbor or the concept of do, a, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule, 
is a mirror of the righteousness body that he experienced the divine presence, the treasured consequence of a man or woman who have firmly set foot on the spiritual path. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all else will be granted unto you. So the kingdom of God, which we're now looking at as a, as a spiritual experience, a certain level of consciousness or spiritual awareness that has that characteristic of righteousness, and that righteousness is reflected in the conscious whether or not a person has spiritual experience that, that on some other level corresponds to it. Well, we'll now take a break about our ability to write content. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, my company's New Galaxy Enterprises' ability to write content for websites. And I might also say we also can create WordPress websites, a task which is under the supervision of our Director of Technical Services, Hassan Khan. We'll also tell you about a novel by Ken Eade, kind of terrifying one. He likes to write very interesting suspense novels about socially important topics. And a song by the amazing Patty Greer, now a famous filmmaker, most of filming about crop circles, but also an absolutely brilliant singer, songwriter, musician, as in the rendition of, of a part of this song, which is called Autumn Glow. So we will play C20, KEB, 3A, and M7. This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. Creating content for a website can often be an exquisite, difficult compromise between providing information and being interesting and concise so people will quickly get the gist of it. The approach must include the website's purpose, supplying the data necessary to back up the website's declared intent, and properly combining text with graphics to achieve an attractive, compelling look. Naturally, there are various types of websites and related content. Our goal is to precisely customize website content to the client's desire, intent, and marketing or informational sharing objectives. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com and fill out the contact form. In Killer.com, Brent Marks, an attorney and protagonist of Ken Ede's Brent Marks legal thriller series, is attacked by defamatory posts on the internet. Attempting to sue them, Marks becomes a victim of further plot against him when they hire a paid-for assassin to initiate a murder which they ultimately pin on Brent Marks. The following excerpt describes the killer's first steps to carry out his assignment. It was like the beginning of the end of the world. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. That's what the survival hawks had said. But everyone had always thought they were crazy. Now, she realized they were right, as she watched the mobs of people looting the streets of Chicago, smashing windows and breaking down doors, as the police stood by in their riot gear, doing nothing about it. The sky was already a hazy brown, probably from all the fires. She could hear the fire engine sirens, and had seen plumes of smoke from all over the city on her taxi ride from the University of Chicago. Keep enough cash in case of emergency. Even her economics professor, Harry Mason, who was a relatively conservative buy-and-hold investor, had advised her to keep cash just in case, and to also have some hard assets in a portfolio. Shirley Baxter, called Snooky by most of the people who knew her, looked out the window of the cab at the chaos outside that used to be the streets of Chicago. 
Some people were carrying huge bottles of water, and some were rolling shopping carts filled with food. Others were stealing the spoils from each other. A rock suddenly hit the side of the cab with a loud clank, just missing the window, and Snooky ducked down. You don't want to go out there, said the cab driver, a rough and tough type with a pack of cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve of his T-shirt. Will we make it? Oh, you'll make it to the airport all right. I don't know about your plane. Where are you headed? Washington. I'm supposed to be in a group who's testifying before the Senate Finance Committee. Well, you tell them for me that they've screwed everything up. Excuse my French, but there's no other way to say it. Here's a beautiful song by Patty Greer called Autumn Glow. She's an angel with a bended wing. You know that she's grounded so that she will sing, not fly away. She's an angel with a golden heart. You know that she can make the such a beautiful song. Uh, my apologies, we were we played another promo for a book by Ken Eve called Terra on Wall Street, wrote with his father, um, who was in, into Wall Street, um, well, a successful investor, let's put it that way, and this was a very interesting book, too. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but uh, it wasn't, I w wasn't playing killer.com. Oh, well, although I plan this program as on focus on Syria, there's a bigger picture that I want to examine. Our involvement in military activity in general, focusing first on the war in Yemen by Saudi Arabia, which is fully supported by the United States logistically and by the provision of arms. Now here's Halsey Gabbard. She's a, um, she's a representative from, from Hawaii, has to say about it. I really like... Um, a lot of what she says about war, she's very upfront about things that most of these people in government will not even go near, and certainly major media doesn't go near it in, in most cases, and she directly takes charge of it. So let's hear N109. It's the Real News Network. I'm Sharmini Pires coming to you from Baltimore. The Child Protection Group Save the Children has just released a report stating that as many as 5 million children face starvation in Yemen due to food shortages and soaring 
crisis. The reason for this crisis, which the UN has called the worst humanitarian crisis in the world, is going on for three years now in the war in Yemen between the Houthi ethnic group and a coalition of countries led by Saudi Arabia that includes the United States. U.S. has been providing the bombs, the planes, and strategic and logistical support for this war. Last month, uh, Saudi forces bombed a school bus, killing 40 children, and Saudi Arabia called that attack legitimate. The Progressive Caucus in the U.S. Congress is trying to evoke the War Powers Act and war powers that they have to put an end to U.S. support for the war in Yemen. Let's listen to Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard introducing this resolution. Today in Yemen, our military continues to wage this interventionist war alongside Saudi Arabia, unauthorized by Congress. The time for crocodile tears and baseless platitudes is over. Enough is enough. The U.S. must end its support for Saudi Arabia and stop waging interventionist wars that increase destruction, death, and suffering around the world, drain our resources here at home, and threaten our own national security. Tulsi Gabbard is the United States representative for Hawaii's 2nd Congressional District. She was also a vice chair of the Democratic National Committee until 2016, but she resigned to endorse Senator Bernie Sanders in the 2016 Democratic primary. Important to note here that Representative Gabbard served a 12-month tour of duty in Iraq in 2004 and as a part Part, uh, she was a part of Hawaii's National Guard. And in 2015, she was promoted to major in the Hawaii's National Guard. Today, she serves on the House Armed Services Committee. And she joins us today from Washington. Congresswoman, aloha. Aloha, Sharmini. Thank you. Wonderful to talk to you. All right, Congresswoman, let's start with why we are engaged in this horrendous war and what Congress can do to stop it. Uh, well, first of all, it is absolutely outrageous that the United States has continued its support for years now for Saudi Arabia's genocidal war in Yemen that has killed thousands and thousands of innocent Yemeni people and caused mass starvation and suffering, a uh, cholera epidemic, the worst humanitarian crisis in the world in Yemen, all turning a blind eye while continuing to refuel Saudi planes, provide them with intelligence and provide them with the bombs that they're using to drop on Yemeni civilians. Congress has now for a very long time given up its um, responsibility to declare war uh, and this war in Yemen is a perfect example. So I and a few of my colleagues are introducing a resolution that will take back our congressional authority and responsibility that's given to us through the United States Constitution to stop this uh, our illegal participation in this uh, Saudi-led genocidal war in Yemen. Obviously, this investment in the wholesale destruction of the civilian population of Yemen should be scrutinized and reevaluated as quickly as possible by the United States. I find it really interesting that, you know, we, we've kind of turned against Europe in certain ways. 
and of course we're sanctioning them and everything. And our two biggest, most clear allies seem to be Saudi Arabia and Israel, which are working together and separately working, working to destroy part of their, part of other populations that they don't seem to care about that much, like the Yemenis or like the people from Gaza. In this case, do we want any efforts of taxpayer dollars going to enlarge a humanitarian crisis on which, whose horror we are now supporting? Five million children, children killed on buses, hospitals blown up. It's, uh, it's disgraceful that we would be even involved in this. <clears throat> well, let's now focus on the military budget. Here's uh, some clips from Last American Vagabond. Um, and the Jimmy Dore show. One point Ryan and Christian hosted the last American vagabond points out that the so-called resistance against Trump has more or less ignored the Yemeni crisis for, for years, as well as downsizing or distorting other major military events in Syria and Gaza. The media that represents the so-called resistance, resistance against Trump, like CNN and, and MSNBC totally ignores the unlimited license for military spending the tremendous cost in life that the Trump administration oversees daily because of Trump's policies. If you've been watching these channels this week, you would see a total focus on Kavanaugh's nomination, Rod Rosenstein, a slight focus on the president's UN speech with Kavanaugh definitely getting his more attention because of his sexual assault claims that were made against him. Bill Cosby also got a few extra minutes because of his sentences, exit from the courtroom to jail, got attention, along with his female victim celebrity response. Now, all, all of this is important, but should it drown out the deadly peril we face in Syria and the disgraceful slaughter of civilians in Yemen? Here's what Ryan has to say, and 110. The U.S. Senate has just passed Trump's mammoth military spending increase by a landslide 92 to 8 vote. And of course, the eight senators who voted nay, Republicans, seven of them, and independent Bernie, of course, Bernie Sanders. Every single Democrat supported the most bloated war budget since the height of the Iraq war. Think about that contradiction. We have to see the two-party deception at play here, the two-party paradigm, the ridiculous, absurd notion that these parties are anything other than two puppets on the same body. Here's what Jimmy Dory said, filling in some more details. Uh, well, here it is. Here's the headline. Senate passes $674 billion military spending bill. There it is. Democracy Now! September 20th. There it is. Senate passes $674 billion. By the way, uh, the Senate voted 93 to 7 to approve this spending bill. Every Democratic senator supported the bill. Every single Democratic senator supported the bill. Every Democratic senator supported the bill. Ah, resistance, resistance. Uh, six Republicans, one independent senator, Bernie Sanders opposed it. Six Republicans opposed it. And Bernie Sanders, not one Democrat. Well, Bernie's not a Democrat. Yeah, no shit. Um, there you go. By the way, here's uh, so Jeff Stein tweeted it out. Congress votes 93 to seven to approve a six hundred and seven billion dollar military budget and one hundred and seven one hundred and seventy eight. A uh, $17 billion increase, Eric Werner reports. This appears to be the biggest military budget outside height, outside the height of the Iraq war. N no votes, six conservatives. Rand Paul, 
Toomey, Sasse, is that how you say it? Lee, really, Pete Lee, F- Flake, and per- Purdue, I think it's supposed to be, not Perude. Uh, and Senator Bernie Sanders. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez retweeted and said, but how are you going to pay for that? <laughs> Nicely done, Alexandria. Uh, so that's just, I just want to re- remind everybody, that's what they're doing with your money. We are spending, we've had a 40% increase in the military budget since the height of the Iraq war. Since the height of the Iraq war, we've added $200 billion onto our Pentagon budget. That's a 40% increase. We're supposed to be winding down the wars. A 40, 40% increase. Did the education department get a 40% increase? Do we spend 40% extra on our infrastructure? Do we have 40% spend on roads and bridges? No. We have 40% more on our jobs program. Nothing. You know who gets a 40% increase in their budget? The Pentagon. No questions asked. No questions asked. Jake Tapper didn't bring on Lindsey Graham and go, how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to pay for that? That's like a million trillion dollars over 10 years. How are you going to pay for that? Nobody. No, Anderson Cooper didn't go to uh, South Carolina and have a town hall and roll up his sleeves to pretend like he's working. And ask people, how are we going to pay for that? Should we have? Should we spend this money? Do you think we need this money? No, con- nothing. Uh, we have a, a caller, Lynn. Mister Keeler is on the line. Are you there? Yes. Yes. Hello. Um, in relationship to the uh, military-industrial complex spending budget, I wanted to get the information out there. Thank you. Um, Senator Wyden from Oregon, um, anyway, there is a petition on the, uh, the, his website uh, to audit the Pentagon, and I'm just wondering um, why we can't get our uh, congressional legislation groups um, united in auditing the Pentagon so they could follow the dark money for these crimes against humanity and uh, war crimes. Well, I think you answered your own question as to why they're not going to do it. Because they don't want to release that information. Right, right. But I just wanted to say there's nuclearplanet.org that they would like to help be of service. We just need to unite more of the peace groups. And there's UNAC, all caps, and it's United National Anti-War coalition.org that's U-N-A-C all caps dot org and they've got a lot of different um, social justice groups already united under their banner so I was just hoping that we can get a little more, bit more organized on um, the uh, helping to um find out, you know, follow the money and be able to bring in the government subsidies for the new paradigm shift. Thank you. Uh, I think we need more people like maybe Tulsi Gabbard, who is concerned about things like that. We need to elect people uh, to the House and the Senate who are uh, basically against this this uh, gigantic expenditure of, of war, which doesn't really profit anybody but the people who sell these things. Anyway, thank you, Lynn. I'm going to take a break now to discuss the media content development mission of my company, New Galaxy Enterprises. We love to help our, our clients in creating their special inspired projects, whether 
novels, screenplays, nonfiction books. Also want to bring you some an interesting uh, uh, some information about Dr. Hugo Rodi's uh, regular blog, and we're going to present for the first time in its entirety a song that I wrote with Edgar Ahrens for Patricia Welch called Love Withers. Now this is part of a new type of, we had written one song before called Christmas uh, in Your Eyes. And this was the beginning of really what it became now uh, a project called Hadley's Castle, which is like uh, hopefully to be a musical. And this was uh, what we call a neoclassique style, different style of writing the music and lyrics than is maybe you're used to, but let's hear it in a few minutes. C2, C1, and M52. My company, New Galaxy Enterprises, is a California corporation specializing in the creation of media and promotional content. We are focused on original, innovative projects that are good for humanity. These projects could be nonfiction books or novels, fictional screenplays or documentary content, websites and website content, commercial advertising content for print, audio, or video products on the internet, television, or radio, musical scores for advertising, television, or film, video, audio editing, etc. We want to promote products and projects that support the environment, encourage a healthy experience in living, developing, nurturing, and useful technology, and offering platforms for positive, socially constructive entertainment or informative, transformative media. Our experience in creating a variety of products like this is rather vast, and we offer client-based and collaborative products, as well as the opportunity of active investors to join us in the creation and promotion of proprietary products, some of which are in latter stages of development. For more information, go to www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com. That's www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com. If you're interested in talking to us, just fill out the contact sheet and we will get back with you. Are you confused about so much information on health issues? Do you find it hard to trust the sources of conflicting advice? Try Dr. Rodier's newsletters and blogs based on the latest information published in the best medical and nutritional journals. There's no charge for subscribing. Just log on to hugorodier.com. That's H-U-G-O-R-O-D-I-E-R.com to do so or to download Dr. Rodier's latest publications.
song I recall Leonard Leonard Cohen's speech when he accepted the uh, <clears throat> the prize from the Prince of Asturias for his work and he said you know I'm accepting this but I can't really completely say it's mine because it was coming to him from a different place and I feel like he was trying to say and I feel this somewhat somewhat myself about certain things that, that as a creative artist, you're often a custodian of something that's coming from a far higher level than than just the simple human imagination that you possess. And I, I feel that way about this song, Love Never Withers, with Patricia Welch, who was one of the most magnificent singers I've ever encountered. Anyway, getting back into the turmoil of the day, Let's quickly turn to what Donald Trump said about Syria in his now famous United Nations speech. You may have laughed at him with him in the beginning, but I don't think anyone is laughing now, particularly after these comments. The ongoing tragedy in Syria is heartbreaking. Our shared goals must be the de-escalation of military conflict, along with a political solution that honors the will of the Syrian people. In this vein, we urge the United Nations-led peace process be reinvigorated. But rest assured, the United States will respond if chemical weapons are deployed by the Assad regime. Well, 
Unfortunately, I now be looking at yet another effort to create a false flag <clears throat> chemical attack. Yes, it's hard to prove things are false flags, but the efforts of the United States to act with Congressional UN Security Council approval do not foster, bolster faith in their reality, especially when supplemented by on-the-ground reports by independent investigative journalists who are talking about the white helmets, how they have been seemingly paid, compensated to uh, create false attacks. And look at the consequences. We've had two attacks uh, on Syria because of these so-called false flags, and now they're announcing the possibility of these things in advance. Well, look at this. Let's hear what the last American deadline has found out. This one is indeed very important. This one I reported on this morning, breaking news from The Last American Vagabond, entitled, Breaking Video, White Helmets Prepare Chemical Weapons Provocation in Syria's Idlib. Something that we know, we've talked about, we've been reporting on, the preparations for, the evidence presented by the Syrian government, by Russia, to the United States, to the United Nations, and evidence, mountains of evidence, from the last so many years of events that have in fact been staged, that we've proven have been staged. This is a new video coming out that I'll show you for myself. That is, it's, it's, it seems like evidence of something, but that's not, what that something is, is for you to decide. Now, as I put out a disclaimer at the top of this article under an editor's note, I said clearly, while just about anything in today's malleable electronic world can be manipulated and should be viewed through an appropriate lens of skepticism, with all the previous information we have shared on this site about the creation of yet another rebel-staged chemical attack in Idlib, this footage appears to be another example of that reality. Yet, as always, view the footage below and come to your own conclusions below in, in the article in which I wrote it. Now, the article states, on September 14, 2018, the Syrian Electronic Army, or just C, S-E-A, S-E-A, which is a hacker group, announced that it had hacked a mobile phone of a White Helmets activist. He's alleged to be involved in the staging of a chemical provocation in Idlib. The video published by SEA Facebook community initially demonstrates what they claim to be the conversation between the White Helmets representatives Abu Maz and Abu Manzar discussing the details of the upcoming provocation. Now, I left that out of the video because it's, it's in Syrian, and it, it shows the actual text message conversation, which was verified by in, inside Syria Media Center. But as it's in Syrian, I left it out of the video. You can see it for yourself in the show notes below. The link is there for you to check out. I go on just to show the actual video part of the, of the staging. And it says, further, we can see the scenes of covert videotaping, which I'll show you. The video contains the alleged training of the locals on how to Im imitate chemical weapons poisoning. According to C., the representatives of the civil defense alongside Hayatir al-Sham, jihadist, al-Qaeda or al-Nusra, keep shooting stage videos in Idlib province to spread them in social networks and mainstream media on command of their sponsors. As we very clearly demonstrated is the United States, the UK, as the Dutch government recently just decided to stop funding them. Clearly, it seems like they're trying to cover their tracks. Thus, the West will try to blame Assad for using chemical weapons against his nation. For which I've shown before, Mattis himself and others have shown they do not have evidence to support even the claims they continue to assert from the past. We're going to uh, put the link in the description uh, to these to this show uh, at B on BBS, so um, you can look at it later. We'll we'll have it done today, I believe. Anyway, uh, among other people, 
Macron wasn't too happy with Trump's speech, and for but because he attacked globalism. But what's really interesting is I do remember that uh, the, the, I had a real high opinion of of Macron for various reasons, but I wasn't too happy when they, he joined in on the attack on uh, on Syria with with England, the second attack. Anyway, we're going to. Uh, one of the things that happened was the uh, plane, the Russian plane was shot down by the Syrian government and uh, their anti-aircraft anti uh, missiles, but it was blamed on Israel because of the way that the Russians were given like one minute notice. Uh, and then there were some, there's some jets, uh, Israeli jets that were kind of covered. In other words, they attacked the Russian Jet, which was much larger and larger radar signature. Anyway, let's hear this description of this at N114. Moving on now as the fallout continues after friendly fire from Syrian air defenses responding to Israeli airstrikes hit a Russian plane and killed everyone on board. Who's to blame? Well, it depends on who you ask. RT correspondent Dan Cohen is in the RT newsroom with more. What's the latest, Dan? Well, the war on Syria is all but over, but the incident Monday night demonstrates the potential for it to reignite into something far greater. What we do know, a Russian IL-20 was shot down by Syrian government S-200 anti-aircraft missiles, killing all 15 crew members on board. It was mistaken for Israeli F-16 fighter jets who had just bombed Syrian army positions near the coastal city of Latakia. According to Russia, it was Israel who was using the Russian plane as a shield of sorts that's at fault for the incident. The Israeli pilots used the Russian plane as cover against the Syrian air defense systems. As a result, the Russian IL-20 was brought down by a Syrian air defense missile. There's no way the Israeli pilots could not have seen the Russian plane. The Israeli military is pointing the finger at the Syrian government, Iran and Hezbollah. Israel holds the Assad regime, whose military shot down the Russian plane, fully responsible for this incident. Now, Tel Aviv is making no apologies for its bombing run. This isn't the first time Israel has targeted Syria. In the last year and a half, Israel has launched 800 missiles on 200 different sites in Syria. The U.S. military, for its part, says it didn't have any information about the incident. Can you comment at all on the, the shoot-down of the uh, uh, Russian jet yesterday and whether or not uh, the U.S. had any visibility in it over a deconfliction line or any other means? As far as I'm tracking terror, we did not. Uh, the coalition was not involved with this. Did you have any visibility into it as it was happening through either uh, your own radar or through the deconfliction line? Uh, we did not that I'm tracking. But that didn't stop the U.S. from joining the Israelis in blaming Iran for the downing of the Russian plane. If Russia is interested in bringing peace to Syria, it should make sure Iran and its militias leave Syria once and for all. The risk of a broader conflict will leave with them. Iran is responsible for creating the Syria we see today. So while Israel and its ally in Washington point the finger at Iran, the Syrian government itself says Israel is at fault. We condemn this new act of Israeli aggression against my country. The UN Security Council must bring Israel to account for its violation of international law. Israel attacked Syria twice this week, but apparently some are unaware of that. 
President Putin is playing it safe, calling the downing of the Russian plane a tragic mistake. This situation is different from the one when a Turkish jet shot down our plane. Back then, Turkey intentionally shot down the aircraft. But now it looks like a chain of accidental events. It's a much different tone from Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, who recently said the downing of the plane is both reckless and unfriendly. He went on to say that Russia will take all necessary measures to protect its servicemen. So while an escalation between nuclear powers has been narrowly avoided for now, it's a stark reminder of how quickly any incident in this crowded theater can escalate to confrontation between nuclear powers and spell a disaster for humanity. Dan Cohen for In Question. Well, Putin was very nice about it uh, insofar as he said he he said he was uh, it was a bunch of accidents, but the next couple of days he uh, started to supply Syria with S-300 missiles to protect Syria from being attacked by the Israel. At least in certain cases, they've been letting it go. They the Russians have just stood aside while Israel would attack uh, Syrian. Uh, I mean, attack Iranian targets in Syria. Well, those days are over. And uh, this could cause a lot of problems between Israel and Russia and Syria. Uh, Israel tends to like the idea they can just keep firing missiles into Syria because they're only really aimed at Iranian targets. Well, anyway, I can understand some of it, but not all of it. So now uh, we're going to have our final goodbyes. We're going to play a, a wonderful spiritual song by Lightstorm and Woods uh, to go out. It's called Awareness, the kind of awareness we all need. So we'll see you next week. Oh, by the way, uh, right after the show, we have a, a, a new program called Taming the Tida with, with uh, Sharman Smith. This should be a very interesting program. It's it's its pilot program. So I suggest that if people would like to, uh, please keep 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 tuned in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining Don Newsom and I on Inalienable and Free Voice of the Coalition. As we go about developing our new organization, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, we hope you will consider the importance of taking part in the electoral processes of your government and asserting the rights you have to vote for the companies you respect and love by casting your ballot as a shareholder or as a consumer with what you buy. We hope soon to make this possible through a social network responsive to your needs to dialogue about your rights as a citizen, but also to be able to effectively act in concert with like-minded colleagues to find representatives of government and business executives who will hear your voice and appreciate your message. See you soon. This is Johnny Blue Star. Imagine a dark night. The wind is crisp and cool. The sky cloudless and majestic. Perhaps you are walking alone or with a loved one. Scattered about the night sky are thousands upon thousands of points of light. Look above you, friends of this restless planet. Out there into the night sky, unknown worlds await. Beauty behind imagination. Intelligence beyond comprehension. Life in its infinite forms and variations yet all from the same seed, the same fundamental vibration, a cosmic tapestry of infinite light, yet each thread unique and indispensable. 
Look above you, out into the vastness of the night sky, for your destiny lies out there, somewhere among the stars. <laughs>